welcome to Podcasting the Parables, a year-long project of St. James Episcopal Church. St. James is a vibrant faith community in the Lake Highlands area of Dallas, Texas. My name is Jonathan Melton, joined by Jared Ferris, and we are glad that you are here. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jonathan here with Jared and our special guest, Bill Bourne. And Jared and Bill, it's been a minute since we've done this. It has. It's It's been a long time since Bill's done it. It's, it has. I, uh, I've never been on a podcast. I was on uh, commercial radio for quite a while, but I've never been on a podcast. This is something new for me. Well, it's new for us to have somebody who knows what they're doing uh, here. I so know. thank you for we've being We've been here. found out. I was, I was told that uh, I used to work with us. Uh, Probably several people in the Dallas area know Hubcap Carter. Well, I was I was what he called his minion for many years. So <laughs> I, I, <laughs> and now now I mean, does it feel good to be back in the, or does it feel strange to be? I mean, this is a little bit like radio. It is. Um, I was always told I had a face for radio, so um, <laughs> you know we're, uh, we're we're right back where I started, I guess. Uh, it, it is. It's it's fun that you're reaching out there, and, and uh, before it was uh, playing music that people had suggested and now it's uh it's sharing the word of our lord jesus christ so uh, it's a little bit different but uh it's it's, it's very enjoyable it's uh, i don't know why i'm nervous uh, this is kind of crazy but <laughs> you've had headphones and a microphone for well, a I, well i never got I, I never got nervous doing that because right. I, I knew what i was doing right. so <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing here so. well well neither do we yeah. this is, that, that's what makes it fun um uh, no, go ahead, Jared. No, I was just going to say, and, and, and most people that come on don't have the experience that you have with radio, so we, we are all figuring this out together. Well, this is fun. Well, we, we are just so glad you are with us today, and um, glad to be diving back into the parables. Just as a little bit of a recap, this is a year-long project of St. James, uh, where we're, we're trying to have our own imagination for what it is to be a little expression of the kingdom here where we are. Uh, a little bit of a parable of what Jesus, the new life Jesus offers God's people. And so we're going back to the parables Jesus told and remembering, giving ourselves permission not always to have answers because sometimes, uh, most of the time, the disciples asked Jesus a question and he said, hey, let me tell you a story about that. <laughs> and never gave him the answer. And, and so the parables are just these kind of little uh, confusing things that are meant to slow us down and open us up some to the new thing that we wouldn't have seen uh, without God's word. So today we're looking at a couple of parables told in succession from Matthew's gospel. And these are just two taken from a a much larger string of parables where Jesus was really on a roll, Uh, just one after another. And uh, these are coming from the 44th through 46th verses of Matthew chapter 13. And Bill, would you be willing to read those for us? I'll do my best. Uh, there are three parables. Uh, Matthew thirteen forty four is the first one. It's the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure, or treasure hidden in a field, which a man founds and reburies. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buries and buys the field. So, and then 45 and 46 is, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of a fine pearl, 
On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had to buy it. Thank you. So short and sweet, but really, really full of, of, of compelling picture that it has inspired the centuries of Christians in, in different ways. Confession, most immediately, my mind goes, my, my kids haven't seen Goonies yet. So this past weekend, uh, we watched Goonies. And, and so the whole like burying a treasure to come back and find it later and getting into caves and all kinds of trouble and everything, that's where my mind goes. Also, Sean Astin has had himself quite the career. Because he's like, what, is it Mikey or Mickey in the Goonies? Mikey? Mikey, the ringleader. And then he goes on to be Rudy in Rudy. And then he goes on to be Frodo in The Lord of the Rings. Like, he is a hero of so many generations. (laughs) I suppose that's just my mind going there. No, Rudy uh, is a great movie. I still get chill bumps every time I I watch that movie. Just to play the soundtrack? Yeah, it's it's great. When you have a slow day, just to play it and... And a true story. And a true story. Yes. So... What I found, it's funny, you handed handed me this piece of paper with it. It's a new revised standard version. But um, I was looking through, or when I was reading it, when you uh, attacked me the other day and said, you're going to be on this podcast. <laughs> um, I was reading through several different versions. And it's, it's amazing how a lot of them that I noticed uh, left then in his joy, mm. he goes and sells. Like, about half of the half of the versions I read left the joy part out of. I think that's one of the most important parts. Is in his joy, he went and sold all that he has and bought the field. You don't usually, or I don't really associate like having a lot of joy with giving up everything you have. But the, but he does, and you're right. It's a, it's like a great a great detail of that story. What do, what do you take away from that, Bill? that I fall very short in both of these parables. Um, I don't know that I, I, I know that I have not given up as much as I need to, 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 to earn the, the kingdom of heaven. There again, you don't earn it, but um, there's probably more and more that I could do. Even if I, if I don't have the monetary way of means of doing it, there's, there's still other things you could do in the church and for, for uh, the Lord that, that, um, I think would be just as valuable as money. Mm. Well, it's it, it's interesting to hear you put to to hear where you put yourself in that story. Um, one of the things we've talked about on previous episodes is that um, when Jesus tells this story, he doesn't often, rarely give an explanation for it, and so it's left for you to to kind of chew on and think about. And and what we've talked about is who is represents what or what in the story represents who and um to see uh to put yourself in that position and and to know that there is there is this this greater thing that is out there that that we can sacrifice for is one way to look at it um and another way to look at it is to to see us not as the the person who found the treasure Mm -hmm. but the treasure itself right um and the, the great sacrifice that it took um, on that end of it. It's, an inter- it's interesting to me to think, not, not, not trying to be prideful in that, um, but that 
to knowing the sacrifice that was made um, on the cross, to know what the what the um, what the purpose of that was for for sanctification, for salvation, um, that God Himself would think so highly of me to make such a sacrifice is a it's a humbling thing. I agree, um, and and I was gonna. You stole my thunder. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not what I meant to do. No, I was I was going to refer back to uh, Matthew 13:37, where it says, uh, "The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom." Um, you know, in a lot of these parables, uh, the man was Jesus, and. Yeah. And, and everything, and, and I think in these two parables, um, Jesus could definitely be um, could be the man that that found the hidden treasure, and that that he gave up everything to buy that field, and he sold everything uh, to get that pearl, and I think the 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 treasure could be us, and the pearl could be us, and he gave the ultimate sacrifice. Right. Um, there again, I. I I'm, I'm definitely not a theologian, but I, I, it's, uh, I think it, it, it could go either way. Right. Well, and it, it takes, it goes back to what you were saying, Bill, about the joy, like to, to bring the joy back into the equation, uh, considering it from the vantage point of Jesus as, as the one who is looking to, uh, to claim his treasure, which is, which is us in the world. Um, I'm, I'm looking up on the fly from uh, the book of Hebrews, but like considering, let us look to Jesus, it says, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, um, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, think also of John's gospel, that all these things are happening and that Jesus prays for his friends, his disciples, for their love for each other ever after his uh, departing from them, that their joy may be in him and that their joy may be complete. It's, it's a really beautiful and humbling thing to consider that we are a part of God's joy. I, all right, so let me just float this by y'all. I feel like joy is it's a really hard thing to talk about because it's not like happiness. You don't just sort of squeeze your face muscles and like be, be joyful. But I feel like there are ways Christians can practice joy and maybe we miss out on some of those or we don't prioritize uh, joy in, in the ways that we, we could. Our joy could be made more complete. There are a lot of prayers that the, the clergy pray, like vesting prayers when you're getting ready for such church on Sunday. And when you get past all the things that start the prayers, uh, the, the thing that gets asked for at the end of most of them is joy. And I thought, wow, there's just an awful lot, even when we think about our life of faith, that can, can be actually go against its purpose, become an obstacle to living joyful lives of, of gratitude and thanksgiving. I agree with you. Something that came to mind when you were talking about that, though, was here a couple of weeks ago when we were doing the baptism, that little young man just just <laughs> chuckled and he was just smiling and just happy like it was, it was it was so appropriate. I mean, what what else is 
could be more joyful than to be baptized, you know. And he, and he was aware enough to to giggle, and he was just it, it just I, it was contagious. Everybody in the in the church just just could feel that. I think it was. I'm so glad you brought that story up because I had not been thinking of that. And uh, Bill's absolutely right. For those who were there, you'll remember that uh, young young uh, Hernandez boy was baptized. And but he wasn't just chuckling. He was he was like laughing his full head off. The whole <laughs> afterwards, I, I I pulled Bishop Burton aside. I said, uh, Bishop Burton, uh, have you ever seen that before? He said, No, I've seen. I baptize kids that never stop screaming and never stop crying. Um, I baptize kids who. Uh, who did all kinds of things, but never, I've never, he was just laughing hysterically. And you're absolutely right. It just like rippled out to all of us. And it kind of in that moment made me think sort of, what, what is that in the scripture? A little a little child will lead them. Like calling us, it was his first day in these waters, but he's calling us back to the joy that is at the heart of it all. The, this love that will never let us go no matter what. And another one was this past Sunday when we were processing out. Uh, was it little uh, Weddinger? Uh, was was before we, we were going down the hand. Hallelujah! <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're going out the procession, uh, and the whole time we're going out, uh, Graham's saying Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. And then Deacon Phil's not with us, so I'm doing the dismissal, and I say, "Go in peace, love, and serve the Lord." <laughs> I'd like completely missed his cue because I, I forgot the hallelujahs. So uh, they, they started to, and I just like called it off. I said, no, no, no. He was trying to help me out. So we redid the whole thing and added some double hallelujahs in there. Uh, we, we learn a lot by uh, watching our kiddos and taking, taking their lead when it comes to joy, I think. From the mouth of babes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to to share a story and then kind of get, well, share share a story from the foothills of a small village in France called Tizé, which uh, I've talked a little bit about it in different contexts, uh, maybe on the podcast, I can't remember, but uh, Lenten classes and in different settings. But when I was 19 and a half, I think, the year 2000, uh, went out to France as an adult chaperone, which is a joke because I just graduated high school, uh, for a group of high school kids. And we were out to Zay France, which is this ecumenical monastery of about 100 brothers from all over the world living together in community. And they broke us up by languages, so we would do Bible study, we'd do prayer, we had time together. Um, And in one of the Bible study language groups, one of the English-speaking brothers opened it up for question and conversation. One of the kids, about 16 years old, stands up, and he says, uh, I have a question. He says, how could you do it? And the brother kind of looked at him confused. He said, how could you throw away your life like this? Uh, he said, I'm sorry? He said, I mean, look at you. Like, you don't have a job. You don't have a family. Uh, my parents are hoping I'm going to be a doctor. I can't imagine how disappointed they'd be if I was just out here... And he went on, I'm not really, like, embellishing his uh, question for the sake of hyperbole. That was basically what he said. Uh, And then the brother kind of received it, and in the most gracious way I have ever seen, he he nodded his head, and you could see the smile kind of almost come up from his heart and go across his face. And he said, to answer your question, why I'm here, I have found a pearl of great price. 
and it is all joy to sell what I have and be near to it. Um, and that was it. That was his answer to the question. He uh, Sort of similarly, back years ago, I met an old retired priest with a dog named Uno who had one eye. That's why I was named Uno. He had a kind of a dark sense of humor. Uh, a one-eyed chihuahua named Uno. And he was telling me he used to be a JAG officer. He met a guy in Japan who raised farm animals, livestock, and gave them all away on the condition that the people to whom he gave them would uh, raise more livestock before they butchered it, if they were going to butcher it or something, and give at least one to another person. And so kind of started a little microeconomy over there in Japan. And my friend said, like, what are you doing? He said, uh, you live out here thousands of miles from anyone you know, just raising cows and giving them away for free. You're not making any money. And similarly, like he said, I found a pearl of great price, and it's my joy to lose it all. Going back to what you were saying earlier, Bill, that sometimes maybe Jesus was actually onto something when he said, like, you'll lose your life and find it. Um, I said that? Well, <laughs> there, there could be great yeah, joy in losing. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Um, have, have y'all known other people, other come across people whose just way of life didn't make any sense except for the joy that bubbled up as they offered themselves for others? Yeah, it always, this, this kind of thinking always comes to mind whenever I think about, um, I, don't, I don't know, a politically correct, it's not politically incorrect to say little old ladies in the church. But especially as, as a kid um, in the church that I grew up in, there were a lot of, of older women who kind of made it their mission to, um, to ensure that the programs of the, the small Baptist church that I was a part of happened. Um, one of them still today, uh, two years ago, she and her husband drove from South Dallas all the way here to uh, St. James even, to be our first customers at the Pumpkin Patch. Oh, wow. And, um, and, and Wanda and, and Randall, Tooley, Randall has passed away since then. Um, but they have always, they've, they've remained in the small town that they uh, met in. They, um, uh, a tiny town just south of Dallas. They've uh, been a fixture in the community. They've, they've raised their families. They've raised other people's families. Uh, they've been dedicated to, to First Baptist Church down there for for half a century. Um, and to, you know, from an outside perspective, you think, well, to what end? And, and for them, it's, it's, it's caring for the, for the area that they're in. It's, it's, it's continuing the work that they've been done. And it's because they do get to time and time again see and share that joy. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a beautiful reminder um, of the joy that comes through faithfulness, especially in, 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 in those what seem to be simple ways. Yeah, yeah. And related to that for me, like can you, can you really have joy, not that joy is a thing to possess, but can you have joy apart from the capacity to delight in others? Which I think is, I, as I remember myself as a kid, like, Anyone else's success was a threat to mine. Right. Life was a zero-sum game. Uh, 
there's a lot of anxiety around awards season and ceremonies and stuff because like I look out for number one. Uh, and then you get older, you you grow, you mature, and, and you're like, wow. I, re- I remember hearing the, the stories of different leaders, um, even, I mean, teachers. We just had graduation day today at St. James. Uh, but in whatever field they're in, politics, whatever, who, who at some point decided they were going to value mentoring, investing in the lives of those around them because they delighted in their success as much as if it were their own. So um, I, don't, I don't know what all joy requires, but I, I feel like delighting in others is an essential part of it. Yeah. I'd kind of like to share something about the, the joy part. I, um, as, as both of you all know, I'd, I'd, for 69 years I'd been in the, in the Methodist church, and um, I was invited to, to come to St. James several times by uh, one of the Joe, Joe French. Mm. And I uh, came several times, and uh, um, the the rector before before you, um, Michael was a, was a member of our Masonic Lodge, and uh, when the Methodist Church was falling into a little bit of headbutting and <clears throat> not really fighting and stuff, but they weren't agreeing with each other on certain things. Um, it, it was troubling to me, and. Um, I talked to Michael many times, which was kind of funny because Michael had actually been a Methodist too before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but when he invited me over, and every time I'd come over, I'd, I'd always felt very welcome. And it was, it, it, at that time, I don't know that it was really joy, but it was, just, it, it was just that good feeling when you walked into the church and people actually, you know, acknowledged you and, and, and they were all there for the same reason, to, to, mm. to praise God. And, um, but then, uh, Joe got me kind of involved in, in serving and <laughs> before I was confirmed, um, and, uh, that's, um, you mentioned it earlier when you were vesting and when, you know, when you, when you, but it's, and I, and I've shared this with you before, it, it's, it, it still gives me goosebumps to be able to, to to share the, the blood of Christ with people when I'm able to do that. It's mm-hmm. a, it's, it, I just, it, it gives me goosebumps every Sunday to do that. It's, it's a, and I guess that, that's, a, that's a real joy for me. I, I, I like to look into people's eyes and, and, you know, and it just, it, it's a real, I, I think a privilege and, and, and very joyful to me that, to be able to do that. Yeah, to be, to be able to share ourselves imperfect works in progress that we are to lift up our hearts together in the Eucharist to ask God's blessing on those broken hearts we lift and then to be able to experience that as the blessed body of Christ and then to share that with one another to to share a piece of yourself even broken but then blessed and to experience a contribution of, of your presence as a blessing to another um I just think it's it's one of the great gifts God gives us is that we get to be gifts to each other. And I, I don't know what other kind of plans B, C, D, E that God had for salvation and how, how the body of Christ might work. But I like this one where, where holy friendship kind of sits right there at the heart of it. I think he used the kiss method. He kept it simple. Yeah. It's... Uh... 
it's easy for me to understand being a, just an old country boy from Garland, Texas. It's a, um, I'm not a not a theologian in any way. I've, I've tried to read the Bible. There's a lot of things I don't understand. And 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 when you when you called me the other day to, about these parables, goodness gracious, I read probably 15 or 20 different uh, versions of it. And then I I went to went to YouTube. <laughs> and, and, oh dear! But, but but everybody everybody's deal was different. It was there was nothing that nobody really agreed, but nobody disagreed. It was it was basically the same thing. And um, I think I think it I think that's why he he did this in parables. He 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 wasn't going to give you an exact because he's already he'd already given us the exact way to get to heaven. And it's, this was just. Um, just uh, that's what happens when you get old. You can't think, put your words together. But um. well, it, it strikes me there's there's a lot of, like you said, a, a lot of different ways that the parables get interpreted. But there's also this underlying simplicity, and you have a man and a field and a treasure. That treasure can be read both ways, uh, and I don't know. Sometimes all the other thinking we have the theology to make it more than that can get in the way of, of just sort of a, a a simple recognition of the love that has called us and found us and um, making space in our lives for a loving response shared shared in the community of faith and worship, shared with one another as members of the community of faith. Well, I think that that's one of the things that to me is really special about the time that we share together when we're creating the parables and the conversation or the parable podcast and the conversations that happened before and after. Um, it, it's just that, that reminder that, that this is not an overly, this can be as complicated as you make it, but, but that's not the intent of, of what Jesus, of why Jesus shared this information, this, this, um, these stories and these truths in this way. Um, and the, what I hope that we are able to communicate through this um, is not that people are necessarily coming here to, to find an answer, to find the, um, the right thing, um, but are encouraged in that, that process of thinking, of, of digesting, of, of internalizing, and, and then living that out um, in different ways, whether that's uh, participating in the conversations online of, of suggesting your own parables or having these discussions with, with people that are around you coming up, up here and, and, and engaging with us even. Um, it's a, it has been a beautiful process and one that I'm thankful for. Um, for all who have come and shared. Well, and a, a great reminder that we read the scriptures together. Right. And, uh, and that, that's part of the pushback you're naming against like all oh, this this uh, reading has like one interpretation or something like that like well was that an interpretation your friends helped you find because uh, I don't know we, the first 1500 years of the church no one read their Bibles because no one read and they didn't have Bibles right. uh, but they came together they heard and then they they discussed they I, I think it's one of the great and underrated gifts of holy friendship that we can come together with scriptures and before we have an answer uh, say, hey, what, did, what does God show you through this? Uh, what do you think God might be speaking through us today? And um, I mean, even 
And, and that, the, that doesn't mean there's no right answer. It just means there's lots of right answers. Right. Uh, there, was, there was no world, no universe in which preparing for today, I noticed the detail of joy that, Bill, you picked up for us to, to start with and has become a beautiful frame for our conversation. Um, I thank God for that, but I don't see that without my friends. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the gifts of, of life together in the church. I guess that's one of the advantages of having dyslexia when I was reading through that and I was looking and some of them just completely left that phrase out then in his joy and it, it was it was completely left out of a lot of the a lot of the different uh, versions um, I was trying to think of a joke to say about like it must have been some like a, a Lutheran in Wisconsin or Minnesota. You probably can't say that, but they have reputation. That's a that's a trope. Like they they're not allowed to have joy, but they're very joyful when they catch fish on ice ponds and stuff. But, well, we should uh, probably bring our time to a close for this time. In a couple of weeks, we'll do it again. Uh, Bill, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you have does a parable come to mind that you think we ought to talk about next? Um, you can put a friend. One of, one of my favorite one was 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 always uh, the mustard seed. We have not done the mustard seed yet. Uh, that's that was that was that's always been one of my favorite. That is. As a matter of fact, I still have a, a a necklace. I don't have it on right now, but it's in my Bible. It's uh, it has a little mustard seed in it, and it's, it's all the faith that it takes is to have that faith of a, the size of a mustard seed. I love it. I love it. And it, it, today at the at the kindergarten graduation, they sang their song, which is to be like uh, young, strong trees, and with roots deep, branches wide. It's the mustard seed all over. That is a perfect suggestion for an unsuspecting friend. We don't know who who that guest will be yet. But Joe, do you, uh, Bill, do you have a friend that you'd like to nominate? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> also, you you just slipped and said, Joe. I feel like we are. Uh, remiss in not acknowledging every time Joe gets mentioned on this podcast, which happened a couple times, we try to take a moment of silence or recognition of his perfect hair. And so if we can just have a moment of appreciation for Joe French's perfect hair. All right. (laughs) Until next time, friends, God bless you. We're so grateful for your sharing the conversation with us. We thank you so much, Bill, for being with us today. Thank you for allowing me to do this. It was was a real honor to to do this. Thank you. For us too. And uh, until next time, peace. Podcasting the Parables is a ministry of St. James Episcopal Church in the Lake Highlands neighborhood of Dallas, Texas. Produced by Jared Ferris, with music arranged and produced by Matthew Melton. I'm Jonathan Melton, priest and rector of St. James Episcopal Church and School, and we will see you again next time. Oh,